We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name's Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for Blue Wire and all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. And we've we've managed to, as a 49ers collective, wander back into the quarterback discussion yet again. It'll never... You know what? random ass thought popped up into my mind as I'm absorbing all of this quarterback talk that has not left us for the past, I don't know what, six, seven years, even more than that. even before Jimmy Garoppolo showed up, it was still more quarterback stuff. I mean, you go all the way back to Colin Kaepernick and Alex Smith. I mean, how long has it been since the 49ers had any semblance of quarterback stability. You know, you, you went from Alex Smith to anybody behind him. Then you went from Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick. Then you went from Colin Kaepernick to Blaine Gabbert. Then you went from Brian Hoyer to C.J. Beathard. And Brian Hoyer, C.J. Beathard, and Nick Mullins. And then you went to Jimmy Garoppolo. And for a very small of time, small amount of time, it was just Jimmy Garoppolo. We got a little bit there. And then it was... Jimmy Garoppolo and anybody behind him that had to back him up because he always got hurt. And then it was Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. And now it's Jimmy Garoppolo. No, I mean, it's not Jimmy Garoppolo. Now he's officially made his exit, but Jim, Trey Lance, Brock Purdy. It's uh Sam Darnold. I mean, it's, it's, there's just no end to it. it it's, it's, it, it's insane. It, it might be, wandering close to the actual definition of insanity that the 49ers have gone this long and won this many games without any real solid year-round answers to quarterbacks. So I was thinking, like, 
what could the 49ers offer a team, any of the teams that have a genuine, genuine, genuine? I remember somebody gave me shit for saying genuine instead of genuine. I like genuine. One, it was like a rap artist, right? And I've seen, and I've just heard people say it like that. It just sounds so prestigious. Genuine. And then there's genuine. Like it just, it adds a little flair to the end of the word. Anyways. How much would the 49ers have to give another NFL team? And this is coming off the heels of the Trey Lance trade. So there's no way this just feels great to talk about. But like, let's just for fun, uh, a Patrick Mahomes, a uh, a Josh Allen, a um, and let me I mean, let me just look at the list here. Let me click this because I get rid of this. Uh, No, not Justin Fields, a Lamar Jackson. And that's that's kind of riding the line. Joe Burrow, for sure. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, any of the solidified going to be in this league for at least 10 more years. We know they're good. No questions asked. You can even go with Justin Herbert if you want to. How much would the 49ers have to give a team like that to just get their quarterback? Look, we'll give you Brock Purdy uh, and, and, and the next 18 first round picks. Now, obviously, I'm just joking at this point. But I mean, what lengths would this team go? to just have an answer for like five seasons, five to 10 seasons in a row. I mean, it's, it's utter stupidity to talk about, you know, obviously don't take this conversation in my words right now as, as anything I'm seriously talking about. It's just, we're at that point of 49ers quarterback insanity where you can just think about things like that and wonder if it's the right thing to do. Like, look, we'll give you the next six first round picks and our current quarterback and the team would still probably say no, but it's just, it's just you're at that point where you're just pulling out your hair and it's like, man, what would I do as a GM to get rid of this quarterback talk, you know, just to get someone that, and, and there's still so many unknowns in this business of the NFL that that probably wouldn't even solve the 49ers problems. You know, it's, it's unbelievable how much they've had to go up and down. Uh, but before I get too long, just a heads up, no striking gold next week uh, on Saturday, which is, it's Thursday. So three days from now, I leave for an Alaskan cruise. Uh, it's kind of our, our late, later honeymoon, you know, that we put off to the summer, given I'm a teacher. And uh, so I will not be here, be even, Within the continent of, well, I guess I'll be in within the continent, but I won't be within the lower 48, I guess they say. Uh, I will be up in Alaska doing Alaska things. We'll, I, I'm, I'm super excited. I mean, you could offer me any trip in the world and going on a cruise to Alaska would be within my top three, maybe top five. So I'm pumped. I'll take plenty of pictures. Maybe I'll post one to, to Twitter. I mean, I just... I. I have uh, my motivation to post to Twitter is at an all time low. I mean, maybe it's because it's the off season. It's a hundred percent because it's the off season, but it's just, there's just nothing interesting going on right now. You know, it's, it's, it's just not a, not a high priority. There's just not a lot going on. I mean, but shout out to the giants. I think they were at what, like 10 in a row after they had a pretty dark start to the, to the year. So as far as, you know, Signing players, not signing players, performing, not performing. So good for them. I need to watch more baseball. I was watching the College World Series. Uh, watched a couple games with TCU. 
Those were good games. Man, they almost beat Florida. That was a great game. Florida coming through right at the end. But anyways, let's get into this, okay? Because they started talking about quarterbacks. And the first quarterback thing that came up this week was, it wasn't the first thing, but it was the first thing that came to me was Adam Schefter on Pat McAfee's show, just saying the same shit we've heard before. Still swears by the fact that the 49ers traded up for Mac Jones, which I just still, I just can't, I can't buy it. It's too expensive. I can't buy it. It's inflated. The price of that that topic is inflated, and I'm not buying it. it. It just seems like, you know, the whole, oh, they traded up for Mac Jones, and then they fell in love with Trey Lance. Well, okay, so maybe the 49ers are that dysfunctional. Maybe they are. But when you trade that amount of draft capital to move up, I remember Crocker and I talking about it. We thought it was the right move to trade up and go try to get a quarterback. It was clear at that point that Jimmy Garoppolo was never going to be quite good enough and maybe never going to be quite reliable enough to be the guy. So why not trade up and go get, get take a swing? And the, given where the 49ers were at the time, we were like, well, they're constantly going to be picking, you know, mid-20s and later. So you might, they were at 13th at the time, I believe you're for maybe the one time. And I don't know how many years you're going to be within reach of training up to get a quarterback and you know, you kind of need one. So just go get one. And they did. And I, I agreed with the move, but when you trade that kind of draft capital, make that move, you're not doing it having not decided on who you're going to take, or at the very least being super excited about any number of prospects or just one. And the idea that the 49ers traded up to number three overall for Mac Jones, who's very, very limited physically, a decent quarterback. I actually liked Mac Jones a lot, a lot more than most people going leading up to the draft. He just looked like he did quarterback things well. And he had good receivers at Alabama and he threw to them well and they won games. So I wasn't necessarily down on Mac Jones. He just didn't really seem like the quarterback that you would trade that kind of draft capital to get, given where the NFL's going. Uh, it just seemed like, you know, I didn't, it just, I just didn't buy that that was who they felt they needed to give up that much to get. And keep in mind, Mac Jones fell quite a bit past when the 49ers ended up taking. So, I, I, I mean, we've, it, it just seems like it's still recovery mode for the media that they could be that wrong. And Kyle Shanahan even said afterwards, like, it was fun to watch everybody talk as if they knew what we were going to do when that was never the case. And and Kyle Shanahan did say that it came down to Mac Jones and Trey Lance, but I mean, that's not really saying much. It means that they weren't really as high on Justin Fields as a lot of people thought. And the only two quarterbacks that would then be available to them slash worthy of anything near that pick would be Trey Lance and Mac Jones. So it's just, you know, and, and it's, Adam Schefter just continuing to drive home the idea that the 49ers traded up for Mac Jones and then somehow in the month leading up to the draft fell in love with Trey Lance so much so that they were able to change their entire minds. It just seems a little hard to believe. It 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 does. That's really all it comes down to. It's tough it's tough for me to think that that's was their process. Now, could it have been? Sure, 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 but moving on. He talked a little bit about Brock Purdy's timeline, and that remains unchanged. Brock Purdy is still throwing the football. He has a certain number of throws that he makes per day, and then a certain number of times that he throws the football per week. 
everything we've heard about that situation is that he's on 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 par to start by the beginning of the season. And what what I would want to know is, and it, to me, at this point, it doesn't seem crazy that he would be ready for the start of the season, given how everything's developed. But I want to know how much of the offseason he is going to be able to participate in. Excuse my sniffs if if one of them creeps through from time to time. As always, trying to fight back the allergies during that Fresno summer out there during football practice. We got uh, we got summer camps going right now. So to me, with when it comes to Purdy, it's not necessarily is he going to be ready for the start of the season. It's how much of the offseason is he going to part- be participating in. Is he going to get to play in preseason at all? Are the 49ers going to feel comfortable enough with where he is to play him during the preseason? Is that the smart thing to do? That's another topic. So there's just, you know, as far as Adam Schefter's interview with Pat McAfee, nothing new necessarily, just again, doubling down on the idea that the 49ers traded up for Mac Jones, which, like I said, is hard to believe, and then just elaborating a little bit more on Brock Purdy's process and the fact that he is the leader in the clubhouse, he's expected to start, and then kind of just dabbling on the fact that maybe Sam Darnold has an edge on, edge on Trey Lance in terms of the backup job. Everybody who I've heard from that's been to any of the practices thus far throughout the offseason program didn't see anything to suggest that Sam Darnold had any sort of an edge over Trey Lance. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, those two are are essentially, I'm assuming, going to have one hell of a competition during preseason just to see who the guy should be. Um, Not a lot to go off so far. I just, I think that if it's close, make it Trey Lance so that you can continue to have some sort of an investment into the guy that you traded up for. If it's close, if it's not close, then go with the guy who's obviously defined himself. Now, here's where the conversation gets interesting. Kind of buried the lead a little bit. A fun video that I stumbled upon today that I was introduced to by Guy Haberman doing a little morning, um, little solo morning show on, on a Friday morning. And he talked about a video done by Alex Rollins, I believe. Yes, Alex Rollins NFL is the name of his YouTube channel. He put together a insightful, entertaining, interesting video about how Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo are the same guy. And I, I would highly suggest you watch it. It's entertaining. It's interesting. It's a point of view that... If you can't watch something like that without getting offended or upset, then you really need to dial your, yourself back a little bit. You should be able to watch somebody's opinion, especially in the way that Alex presents it with a lot of stats, a lot of examples. Not all. I'm not saying I agree with it all. In fact, I would probably say that I disagree with the premise that they're the same guy, but it's an entertaining video and it's an interesting video and it's well done, well made presents a lot of, of, of factual statistical evidence. Um, but I would just, I would check it out. I honestly would. I, I thought it was a great watch. I watched it like three times just to make sure I kind of had a very solid grasp on what he's trying to say, because the last thing I want to do is get on to get on here with all of y'all and destroy a video or attempt to destroy a video or talk down on somebody's opinion or work or disagree with it is probably the more mature thing to say. 
without having a solid grasp of what he was trying to say to begin with. Now, uh, there's all kinds of little tiny statistics that he uh, presents in there that I think it's important that you hear. I'll bring some of them up uh, in a more broad sense. But um, I, I just, I honestly, for a guy that is is really running on empty when it comes to motivation to talk about 49ers quarterbacks, this was something that I actually found entertaining, interesting, worth talking about. You know, and it, it's not... A, it wasn't presented the the thing I think that it's important, you know, up front is it wasn't presented in a negative sense because Alex's opinion of Jimmy Garoppolo is, is a, is a positive one. Purdy being compared to Garoppolo, he wasn't an insult to him. He actually seemed like he had a, a pretty high opinion of Garoppolo and what he's able to do. And obviously discussed his limitations, but one of the things he said towards the end of the video is Garoppolo went to, a Super Bowl and two NFC Championship games, and you don't do that sucking. Like, period. Now, again, doesn't mean that he's flawless. We all know that not to be true, and he mentions that. But again, interesting video. Let me get started. The first thing I'm going to do is just kind of briefly summarize some of the points he made. And again, in no way is what I'm going to say a replacement for what he says in the video. It's very well done. Go watch it. I encourage it. I think you'll enjoy it. And it's presented in a way that's not negative. So it's not like by comparing the two, he's saying that Rob Purdy is for some reason not good. And I'll get to that right off the bat. Okay. Some of the points he makes as watching, just kind of broad. Purdy and Garoppolo have nearly identical stats. And ultimately, ultimately the 49ers QB situation is the same when moving from one to the other. Purdy's higher points per game than Garoppolo also coincided with a defensive explosion. Um, Purdy was only slightly more aggressive when it came to downfield throws. Um, they were both over-the-middle throwers, perhaps uh, uh, you know, within an over-the-middle offense. When I heard him say that, I just thought to myself, well, if they're both very successful over-the-middle, Purdy record-breakingly so, then maybe that's where Kyle Shanahan's emphasis lies. Uh, maybe he doesn't necessarily like offenses that target the boundary. He doesn't like his offense to target the boundary as much. Anyways, uh, he also said that Alex said that Purdy was overly aggressive and probably should have thrown quite a few more interceptions than he did, which I don't put a lot of weight into. The Seahawks struggles. Um, we'll get into that. He said that you know once the Seahawks in the playoffs started making adjustments to what Purdy wanted to do, he struggled, which – not quite sure we define struggle the same. Um, Purdy's huge separator was in the 10 to 19 yard range down the field where he completed like 80 something percent of his passes, which was a massive record. According to pro football focus, no other quarterback had had barely gotten into the seventies. Um, Alex goes on to say that Jimmy and Brock both throw to wide open receivers and are making easy throws, which is uh, a cornerstone of the Shanahan offense. They were both 27 and 28 in terms of expectations within the offense. So there's a formula that they use where it calculates what your completion percentage should have been versus what it was. And is it in the negative? Is it in the positive? Both uh, Jimmy and Brock were right next to each other in the negatives, basically saying that within the offense and the opportunities that were presented to them, they weren't even that great considering what Kyle Shanahan's offense was doing for them at the time. Again, just summarizing what he's saying. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Um, one quote that kind of just stood out to me that he says in the video, he says, while Purdy's ability to extend plays helped this offense a lot, and then a couple words later, he says, it wasn't all that impactful. And you're like, what? Um, kind of summarizes it by saying Jimmy's a statue. Garoppolo's a statue. His deep balls sucked. And he also made some boneheaded plays. That was kind of like the summary of what we started to kind of feel in, in a nutshell. You know, the, the negatives of what, what people held on to when it came to Garoppolo. And then he finished by saying a large chunk, chunk of pretty success can be attributed to Shanahan, but if the pair can continue to grow, he can be the guy and they can win a Super Bowl. Now, before I start breaking this any, any breaking any of this down in more detail, I think it's important to offer this note. I think this is an important point to make. The fact that we're even having this conversation is a massive compliment to Brock Purdy. Full stop. We are comparing a seventh round mystery relevant rookie in his first year starting on the fly to a nine-year NFL veteran drafted in the second round to sit behind Tom Brady that's been to two NFC championships and a Super Bowl. So again, the fact that we are even having this conversation says Purdy's doing something right, and so did the 49ers in drafting him. 
important point to make before you say anything else. Purdy's already done something right. That's why we're even here in the first place. Okay, so I, I that was something I wanted to make very clear. First of all, Brock Purdy and and Jimmy Garoppolo. What's funny on my notes, I wrote Brock and Purdy, the same person. Like, yes, Rob, those are the same people. You probably should have changed one of those to Garoppolo. Statistically, he compares the two. And he, he talks about how they are the same. Kind of like your basic shell comparison between the two statistically. If you want that, in, in words, Jimmy Garoppolo played 10 games last season for the 49ers. The 49ers went 7-3. and three. He completed 67.2% of his passes for 2,437 yards, 16 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. Go to Purdy, and he played in 5 games. They went 5-0. and oh. He completed... of his passes to Jimmy Garoppolo's. Let's do it this way. Jimmy Garoppolo last season, 67%. Brock Purdy, 67%. Brock Purdy, including the playoffs. Important note right there. Threw 16 touchdowns to four interceptions. Jimmy Garoppolo last season, 16 touchdowns, four interceptions. You can see where the similarities are already starting to line up on a very basic level. 2,400 yards in 10 games for Garoppolo. Purdy, 1,300 yards in in five games. So something tells me that if you extrapolated those out a little bit, they'd be pretty darn close. Where you start to see some differences here, Purdy's touchdown to inter- touchdown percentage. You know, touchdown percentage is defined as percentage of touchdown throws thrown when attempting to pass. Okay, Purdy has a 7.6 touchdown percentage, which I believe I found it in here would be far and away the best in the league. Let me click that right there. Yeah, the league leader in touchdown percentage was Tua and Mahomes at 6.3. Purdy was a 7 point. Where did it go? Can't find it. That's just the playoffs. Maybe they don't have it there. 7.6. So far and away, you've got a statistic that is maybe an outlier, probably going to drop that back down next season, maybe settle a bit, but well above Jimmy Garoppolo's. I'm bouncing back and forth between 5.2. A 5.2, which would have been respectable. That is right around, that is seventh. Here's Jimmy right here, right behind Justin Fields at 5.3 and Geno Smith at 5.2. Um, some other people in that conversation, Dak Prescott and Joe Burrow were at a 5.8. I don't want to get too into very detailed statistics here. I would rather keep this a little bit more based on what we all saw together. Statistically, they were very similar. You can go into other advanced, uh, passing statistics. We're talking about air yards. You're talking about adjusted completion percentages. You're talking about yards beyond the line of scrimmage, Uh, all these things. And surprisingly, Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy are very similar. You can, you, I went into some advanced stats, and you could even see some similarities in there. I just think it's kind of boring to just hear stat after stat after stat after stat. I'm just saying there is some gravity to statistically the two quarterbacks being very similar. And again, when it comes to touchdown percentage, that is something that Purdy far and away separated himself from every quarterback in the NFL, let alone Jimmy Garoppolo. And Jimmy Garoppolo 
like I said, was respectable in that regard. So moving on, his next point, I mean, one of your lead points, kind of one of the first things he mentions is the fact that Purdy's offense averaged basically an entire touchdown more than it did when Jimmy Garoppolo was there. But that also coincided with like a defensive explosion. The fact that the defensive turnovers per game like doubled and it was he mentions the fact that it was almost like the defense turned itself on because they knew a third string quarterback was playing. I think it goes far deeper than that when you're trying to attribute defensive defensive success to why a quarterback was successful because it's like a marriage they go back and forth they need each other. The defense needs a competent quarterback that's going to lead longer drives, point scoring drives, take say what you will in order for that defense to maintain success. One, an offense scoring puts pressure on an opposing offense to do the same. You have to keep up. Um, So that puts the defense into an advantageous position, usually where an offense is forcing throws that they didn't necessarily want to make. You you guys get what I'm saying. So to me, saying that a defensive explosion is the reason that Purdy started to – the 49ers offense started to score – at least a touchdown more per game, it, it just doesn't really seem like it worked like that. I, I I believe that maybe the 49ers offense getting better helped the 49ers defense get better before I believe the 49ers defense decided to get way better because they were in a rough situation with a third-string quarterback. The fact that the two complemented each other better is easier to believe than, hey, guys, third-string quarterback, are you guys ready to play harder? Yes, let's do it, okay? He also mentioned the fact that Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo was 31st, 31st in deep percentage of, of only 9.1%, deep ball percentage, and Purdy was only a little bit better at 11%, which was good enough for 18th. Well, that right there, to me, is a very significant jump. In Kyle Shanahan's offense that doesn't necessarily rely on the deep ball, You've got Jimmy Garoppolo sitting at 31st and Purdy sitting at 18th. That's There's 13 quarterbacks in between one and the other there. So while the, the jump from 9% to 11% isn't necessarily huge, if that takes you from 31st, 31st to 18th, that's a significant jump, especially in an offense where it doesn't really seem like necessarily throwing deep is required when you've got a run game quarterbacked by Christian McCaffrey. Some of the arguments that Alex makes – throughout there relies a little too much on would have, should have, you know, when it comes to interceptions, oh, well, he could have thrown a lot more. He should have thrown a lot more. That to me falls in the same category of football talk when someone says, well, if they wouldn't have had this play, then it wouldn't have been that great of a game. Like it just is, you're, you're trying to penalize somebody for something that didn't happen. And yes, I understand that an analytic, a, a, a good analyst would look at a game and say, well, look, he threw three near interceptions here. Correct, but uh, they weren't interceptions. And, and at some point, you have to say, you know, if you're going to get overran and overcome by the imaginary aspects of a football game that could have happened but didn't happen. It's just that that to me sounds just like somebody was like, well, Christian McCaffrey wouldn't have had a good game if he wouldn't have done wouldn't have had a good game if he wouldn't have done have this play. And you're like, well, he did have that play, though. So do we really have to waste time with this? One of the cool things, uh, and I mentioned it already. Purdy was record-breaking last year when it came to throws between 10 to 19 yards down the field. I believe that's an intermediate throw. Um, he was over 80%, which is a record per throw, per, 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 
per pro football focus. Say that over and over per pro football focus. Um, and I think the next best quarterback he mentioned, Alex mentioned, was like Kirk Cousins at a little over 70%. So Purdy was like 10% more than any other quarterback when it came to throws from 10 to 19%. And now he kind of prefaced that by saying, or handcuffed that by saying that Purdy also and Garoppolo both ranked near the bottom of the league when it came to big time throw rate, which is throwing to receivers that are tightly covered or it requires a great throw and a great moment. And to me, that's, again, you're trying to penalize both Garoppolo and Purdy for throwing to receivers that are wide open. And that's just, it's not the reality that they live in. Of course, if they're throwing to wide open receivers and they're breaking records at the 10 to 19 yard range, partly because those receivers are wide open, then of course they're going to be lower on the totem pole when it comes to big time throw percentage because the receivers are wide open. It's the two things will roll right next to each other. And to me, a quarterback being forced into a situation where he has to constantly make these big time throws is not necessarily an offense that would, would breed success. I don't know where the other quarterbacks fall on this, the Allens, the Mahomes, the Jacksons, the, the, the Burrows, but it's just like you, you can't, you can't knock a quarterback for throwing to wide open receivers and then also knock them for not making this big time quote unquote throw. When the two things are almost synonymous with each other, you're almost saying the same thing twice. Um, And one point I would like to make here is how many times have you watched Jimmy Garoppolo play a, a quarterback for the 49ers and miss a wide open receiver? If, if Purdy can hit wide open receivers, then good because they're open and they should be throwing the ball. Jimmy and he, Alex mentions that that and that you know I put in my notes the old age old wide ass open argument like it's just I don't I just don't really want to have the discussion about how open a 49ers receiver is one you've got Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk they get open and they break tackles yes you're going to have massive yards after the catch statistics because that's what Kyle Shanahan uh, emphasizes in an offense yes you're going to have receivers that are um, wide ass open because you've got one of them that's Brandon Ayuk, who's an insane route runner. And Debo Samuel said himself, you can't cover him in a phone booth. Yeah, he's going to be wide ass open. Then you've taken a receiver that can run routes like that and put him into Shanahan's offense, who specializes in getting receivers open. The bigger problem would be talking about a quarterback that struggled to find these wide open receivers. It just it just leads you in circles, and it's not even an argument that needs to be made. I don't care how open receivers are in Kyle Shanahan's offense, and I don't. If you're going to make that as a point to say any receiver or any quarterback can play Kyle Shanahan's offense, well, we've already seen that's not the case. Jimmy Garoppolo struggled from time to time. Uh, um, Brian Hoyer was not good. Nick Mullins was not good. C.J. Beathard was not good you still need to be a good quarterback. You still need to be a competent quarterback. You still need to be able to read a different defense. You still need to be able to know which of the receivers are going to come, come open based on the play you called and the scheme you're going against and the timing, in which, you know, if, if you're going to, if you want yards after the catch, you have to be able to time that throw. That's going to give that receiver the best chance to break that tackle and get down the field. It's just, it's trying to penalize quarterbacks for doing what the hell they should do. So it's, it's just hard to put that much into that. So when you got towards the end of this of this summary, and, and again, I want to emphasize that Alex did a great job on this video, made some great points, 
and didn't and did so in a way where he's not trashing either player. They both had flaws. You know, you talks he talked about Purdy holding on holding onto the ball a little bit longer. We know that Purdy is far more mobile than Garoppolo is, but with that comes it's a dual-edged sword, and we've seen it. A quarterback that's more mobile is less incentivized to throw the ball quickly because they know that their mobility is, one, an option to create a success, successful play, and two, can get them out of trouble. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo was the opposite of mobile, so he would get the ball out quickly to ever avoid being in a situation where he would need to be mobile. Brock Purdy, you're taking a small step in the other direction. You're saying he's not going to get the ball out as quick, which could lead to some bigger plays developing. And it also could lead to some bad plays like a sack, you know, where, uh, which is how Brock Purdy got injured and some other plays, but it's going to come with some good plays too. One of the greatest plays we've ever seen a 49ers quarterback make, in my opinion, was made by Brock Purdy in that playoff game against the Seahawks, where he, you know, it was like a, a charged up version of the catch from Joe Montana. And I know that might kind of seem like, uh, I don't know, like heresy to say on a 49ers podcast. But when you watch that play happen, not as much on the line, you know, Joe Montana's throw to Dwight Clark was, was to take the lead in that game and to, to send them forward um, in the playoffs. And Purdy's was not, they were already beating the Seahawks. They were going to beat the Seahawks at the, I think the point, I think it was 30 something to the teens at that point or 30 something to 20 something. And, but it, when you watch that play, in a bubble, in a nutshell, it was just incredible. And he making defenders miss on the run, getting squeezed towards the sideline, making one last defender miss before rifling a pass that hit Brandon Ayuk, who was doing a toe tap in the corner directly in the hands, and he dropped it. But it was one of the greatest plays we've ever seen a 49ers quarterback make in that small nutshell of seeing all that happen. You know, it's you don't. Have, of course, you could take into account the the situation and you know the fact that Purdy felt like he had the the slack to make a play like that. But man, just watching that single play in that moment was incredible. So it, it's you have that mobility that Purdy brings will create some bad plays, but it'll also create some plays like that that you just can't believe. And Rollins mentioned the Seahawks making adjustments that hampered Purdy. I think it's important to mention that Purdy in that game against the Seattle in which Seattle and against the Seattle against Seattle in which Seattle was apparently doing things to cause Purdy to struggle. He still went 18 for 30 really for the most part, cutting off parts of the middle of the field. Purdy still completed 60% of his passes for 332 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, a 131 quarterback rating. And he also had a quarterback sneak that he took into the end zone. Now, there is a healthy amount of yards after the catch within that game. And some of those receivers definitely made a play, made plays for Purdy. But if that right there is Purdy, Purdy struggling and the Seahawks taking away part of Purdy's game, then damn. You know, it was a great game to watch. Two of the touchdowns, one to Christian McCaffrey, the first touchdown, 49ers touchdown of the game and another to Elijah Mitchell, were both plays created by Brock Purdy's movement. If you go back and you watch that game, Purdy, his first options weren't open, or he didn't see them, it doesn't matter. And he got pressure, he created some space, 
And on the first touchdown, he found Christian McCaffrey. On the second touchdown, he found Elijah Mitchell. Both great plays that can be directly correlated to Brock Purdy's mobility. Brock Purdy's mobility is a massive difference between him and Jimmy Garoppolo. And I don't believe that should be understated because Purdy does some interesting stuff. He's got some hezzy steps. He's messing with defenders when he's scrambling down the sidelines. He's fine in space. Now, obviously, we know that he rolls left a little bit too much, but that's an easy fix. That mobility, I I think that Brock Purdy is just subtle shakiness, shiftiness, mobility, speed, quick speed, not necessarily long speed. He's not going to be the one that runs a a 99-yard touchdown or a 100-something-yard touchdown like Kaepernick did. Uh, But he's got this quickness to him, his 10-yard split, if you will, that really adds a new dimension to this offense. And, And I don't think you should understate that. It may lead to some bad plays, but we've already seen it lead to those three touchdowns in that game, I guess you could say should be touchdowns, one to Christian McCaffrey, one to Elijah Mitchell, and the last should have been to Brandon Ayuk. Um, but and in summary, Alex said, people got sick of this capped, holding back feel to the offense, and that's why Purdy has been such a hit. In referring to the way the offense felt under Jimmy Garoppolo, it felt like it was capped. It felt like it was being held back. And when Purdy stepped in, things instantly felt like the chains were off. Um, some of he all out Rollins said some of his willing Purdy's willingness to go deeper a little more, plus his ability to extend the play with his legs have made the 49ers feel like they're uncapped. Okay. And, and this is that quote right there. And that's from Alex in his video. That to me sounds like just watch the games, just watch the games, watch the, the season, watch the see, watch the games with Jimmy Garoppolo and then watch the games with Purdy. And just tell me what it feels like. Like, you don't have to. Stats are great. They help paint a picture. But just watch the games and tell me what it feels like. And and which one of these quarterbacks feels like takes this offense to what it should be. Just watch them. Don't worry about the stats. Just watch the game. And it was obvious to me that things just were different with Purdy. And here's another point that I should have made sooner that I just remembered to make now. Jimmy Garoppolo was pretty damn good last year. But he got hurt again. And that is one of his huge knocks, is that he gets hurt a lot. Now, are we ready to say that Purdy doesn't get hurt a lot because he ended the season on him getting hurt? But when you watch that play, you're like, well, yeah, of course he got hurt. But, again, reverting back to what I was saying, Jimmy Garoppolo was good last year. He was real good. He looked good. The 49ers were good with him. I mean, he he still had his Garoppolo moments, but the 49ers were a good team with Garoppolo, and Garoppolo was playing good football, and then it was disappointing when he got hurt. It hurt the 49ers because they were playing well with him. They just didn't realize that the man that was about to step in was an upgrade, and he was. So I think that it's important to note that just because we're saying Brock Purdy And I'm not necessarily saying it, reiterating it for Alex, not necessarily disagreeing in some cases, definitely disagreeing in other cases, but comparing him to Jimmy Garoppolo and how Jimmy Garoppolo played last year, that's a compliment. We already went into that, but Garoppolo was good last year. Alex Alex summarizes everything with this sentence. The key isn't that Purdy possesses elite skills. It's the man calling all the shots. 
If Kyle Shanahan can continue to groom and develop Purdy, see consistent growth over time, the roof of the offense will pop, the 49ers will finally have their their guy, and the and Kyle Shanahan will finally get his Super Bowl. That's how he ended the video. So if you think it was some sort of a negative video, it's not. It's just saying, pump the brakes a little on Purdy. He's not that much different than Garoppolo. But to me, the differences between the two are significant. Purdy is a little more aggressive, and he's quite a bit more mobile. And to me, those two things make a big difference. Maybe he sees the build differently differently to Garoppolo. Maybe he's seeing the options that Garoppolo didn't see or was unwilling to target. And Purdy's, Purdy's, you know, it. anyways. I think that we've kind of found a good middle ground between the two. And y'all know I'm not a hot take guy. Do I think Purdy's better than Garoppolo? Yes, but we still got to see more. It was a small sample size, but it wasn't that small. And the fact that some of Purdy's numbers being used to compare to Garoppolo, three of those games were done in the playoffs. All of Garoppolo's numbers that were compared to Purdy's numbers were from the regular season. Three of the games that Purdy, of the eight games that Purdy played were in the playoffs, one of which he was hurt for. So there's still some grace there as far as, and you can choose to, you can be a glass half full or glass half empty approach. I think that there's some parts of Purdy's game that will regress. You know, like that touchdown percentage, probably going to come down a little bit unless we're just ready to believe that Purdy will consistently have the highest touchdown percentage in the league. I mean, it's certainly not impossible. And then there's the glass half full approach saying, look, this was Purdy was thrown into the action on a, on a whim against the Dolphins and kicked ass and never looked back. And he's going to get better. He's going to become more familiar with the offense. He's going to become more comfortable with NFL speed and the way the NFL works. And, you know, so you could say that there's probably parts about his game that are going to regress as NFL's hone in on what he does and doesn't do. But there's the other, the flip side of that and saying that with more experience, he's going to develop into a better quarterback. And we're just seeing the beginning of what Purdue can do. So yeah, it's whatever. And you know, again, this, this whole conversation has nothing to do with Trey Lance. That's an excitement. You know that I'm still excited for Trey Lance and what he could do. So that's not necessarily has anything to do with this. The topic of Alex's video was Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy being the same guy. My take, are they the same guy? Of course not. They have two different names and they were born from two different sets of parents. So they're not the same guy. But all jokes aside, are there similarities? Absolutely. Are a lot of those similarities generated from playing within the exact same offense? Yes. Are there differences between the two? Yes, and those differences, for whatever reason, seem to make a massive difference in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Whatever those differences may be, Brock Purdy is a little more willing to push the ball down the field. He's a little more aggressive, and he's a lot more mobile, and we've already seen those two things, the aggressiveness and the mobility, pay off in spades for the 49ers. So let's see where it goes from here. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I know the quarterback talk is is a little old at this point, but I thought this was kind of a new, fresh take on the situation, um, and it, it it caught it even had me looking through things, going, "Man, like, what are their similarities? What are their differences? 
And uh, I, I like doing it. Hopefully you guys listening to about it again, go check out Alex's video at Alex Rollins NFL. If you click on his YouTube channel and then go to videos, it is his most recent video. Um, and, and again, I, I highly recommend it. It was very well done. It presented many statistical, uh, anal- much statistical analysis. I, I would really recommend it. Um, hopefully y'all enjoyed the pod today. Again, no striking gold next week. I am going on an Alaskan cruise. I will send y'all some pictures. Um, but uh, again, thank you for listening to striking gold. Thank you for making this podcast possible. Um, if you deem me worthy, leave, leave us a, a five-star review on whatever platform that you listen to us on, but only if you deem us worthy. Again, the ultimate form of support is you listening right now. Um, that's it. You know, all good things must come to an end. I'll see y'all in a couple weeks for another episode of striking gold. I'm Rob. This is your striking gold and we are signing out. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.